how many of you ever watched the show The X-Files? Some. Interesting show, kind of creepy, but that's what kept, kept you interested in it. The, the two main detectives were a guy named Mulder and, and Scully. There's Fox Mulder. And on one show, they, they had gone to uh, investigate some supernatural thing at a prison. And when they talked to the prison chaplain, the prison chaplain told them, God speaks directly to me. And Scully asked Mulder, what do you think about that, about God speaking directly to a person? And, and his response was, God is just a spectator of the human existence and experience. God doesn't get involved, nor does he care about the affairs of man. God just reads the box scores. In other words, God just reads the paper afterwards to see the results of our decisions. I know that was fiction in the show, but there is actually a lot of people who probably do buy into that, whether they would admit it or not. But I want to tell you, God is not just a spectator. God wants to be intimately involved in the decisions of your life. And that ought to be a great thing, too, you know, and that God, the creator of the universe, cares about you, and he wants to guide you in your choices. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 23 this morning as we continue our series on discovering God's plans for your life. How, how do you understand the direction and God's will for your life? And we're going to talk this morning about being led by the Holy Spirit, a very uh, oftentimes misunderstood, misused uh, topic, but super, super important. Now, here's the first thing this morning that we see in our story, but we see in our lives, is we're often faced with decisions that we don't know what to do. We have things come up. We have job opportunities. We have the opportunity to move. We have the opportunity to date someone, to break up with someone, to date someone else, uh, to get married, to uh, to uh, all kinds of things, the church we ought to join, how we invest our money, all those are huge things that can tremendously affect your life and other people's life for a long, long time. And sometimes we just flat out do not know what to do. In 1 Samuel 23, verse 1 and 2, we see King David in the same dilemma. He wasn't king at this point. It says, David was told, look, the Philistines, the bad guys, are fighting against Calab. And, and looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord. He asked of God, shall I go and attack these Philistines? Let me give you the background of the story. Saul is still the king. Saul is crazy at this point. He's broken emotionally, he's broken mentally, and he's broken spiritually. David is the heir to the throne, and Saul hates him. So David's on the run from, from the king, but David has a lot of men with him too. And Keliah, let me show you where Keliah was in, in Israel. This is Israel in David's time. Now, Jerusalem has not moved. That's where it was 4,000 years ago. That's where it is today. That's the Mediterranean Sea right there. But in this time, when Saul was king, Hebron and Jerusalem kind of split as being the capital. And this was the Philistines' country. That's Most of that's Israel today. But that's the Philistines' country. And they are the enemies of the Jewish people. Kalal's a little village, doesn't even make the map, right around here. And what was happening is the bad guys <laughs> were going into Kalal, the Philistines, 
They were going in there at the, at the harvest time, and they were stealing their grain. The threshing floors were outside of the walled city, so they were going there probably roughing up and maybe killing some people, stealing things, stealing their grain. It's a bad situation. Saul's the king, and he's the one that should do something, and he's not doing anything. So David knows these are, these are our people. These are my countrymen. There may have been family and friends down there. Somebody needs to do something, but he didn't, he didn't have clear direction on what to do. And the same thing happens with you and me. We have decisions to make that we don't know what to do. And here's the second part of this dilemma. Sometimes the Bible may not give you the answer. David's Bible at this point was Genesis through Deuteronomy. Nowhere in Genesis through Deuteronomy, I've read it, it never says David go to attack Kalah. In fact, if David would have had Genesis through Revelation, what we have, nowhere in the Bible <clears throat> was it going to go tell him, David, go attack Kalah. It, it's, it's just not in the book. And see, here's the problem you and I run into too, is that we looked last Sunday about the Bible. You never violate the Bible in doing God's will for your life. But a lot of times the Bible is silent. It lays foundations, but it doesn't get specifics. So you have two job opportunities, two business opportunities. They're moral, they're honest, they're decent. It's not illegal, immoral, rotten. And you, and you need to make the right choice on what you do. It, it may affect you greatly financially. It may, it may affect your health, your family. Should you move halfway across the world or should you stay in Ruston? Should you move to Shreveport? Should you marry this person? Should you break up with him and dump him like a hot potato? Uh, a lot of times the Bible is not going to give you clear directions on those things. And listen, you need to make the right decisions. Because our choices, we make our choices and our choices make us. So what do we do Here's what I want to really encourage you. Seek God for perfect direction. Seek God. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to follow it perfectly, but God's direction is always going to be perfect. Now, here's a really important little thing. <clears throat> there is a theology uh, called cessationism. Now, it, it, it derives itself from the word cease, cessation. And a cessationist, and I'm not trying to paint a negative picture i don't believe this i'm trying to tell you what i believe they believe is that god when we got the bible at the end of the first century and the bible was written god quit speaking after that god doesn't speak anymore uh, certain spiritual gifts aren't good anymore uh miracles and things like that stopped at the first century and, and i believe for a lot of reasons that we don't have time to go into today that that is, that is not true. And if that is true, a lot of those people would say, well, you have the Bible, you follow the Bible, and with the Bible silent on it, do what you want, and you're in God's will. Uh, I think that's, that's very incorrect. And, and in fact, I think the Bible teaches us very uh, differently from that. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. You pray about all your decisions. You pray about all decisions. That decision, every decision, you pray about it. Ta write this down if you're taking notes. Philippians 4, 6 won't be on the screen. It says pray about, you remember, pray about what? Everything. Pray about everything. So why am I praying about it if God's not going to direct me just to get it off my chest to God in some kind of psychobabble way? Absolutely not. I'm praying about it because God wants to be involved. In verses 2 through 4, they, he inquired, David inquired, the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistine? Inquire means that that he sought the Lord. It, it means to request information, to seek counsel. And the Lord answered him, 
David, I only speak through the Bible, so I'm not going to tell you what to do. No, that's not what he said. He said, go attack the Philistines and save Kaliah. But David's men uh, said to him, here in Judah, we're afraid. This is what happens. We make a decision. We hear God. Then we start having doubts. That's real normal. And he said, how much more then if we go to Kaliah against the Philistine force? Verse 4, once again, David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered him, go down to Kaliah, for I am going uh, to give the Philistines into your hand. When David was faced with a decision that the Bible wasn't clear on, he didn't just use common sense. He didn't use his intellect. He didn't use his Ph.D. He didn't have one. He didn't use his rational thinking ability. He didn't make a pros and cons list. He sought God. Please ignore this at your own peril. Okay? Seek the Lord. Now, I want, to, I want to read to you something that's a little weird that's in this story because the story runs through verse 13. In verse 7 and 8, it says, Saul was told that David had gone to Kalah. This is after David went down there and, and won the victory. And he said, God has handed him over to me. We're going to go back to this for a second. For David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called all his forces for battle to go to Kaliah to besiege David and his men. Verse 9, when David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod. Earlier in this passage, it talks about the ephod. How many of you have an ephod at home? Please don't raise your hand because you're really weird or you're lying. An ephod, an ephod, it's, it's hard to get a good grasp on this in the Old Testament. There may have been more than one, but it was a priestly vest. And one that the high priest or the priest one was very ornate, very beautiful. But there may have been another one that was kind of a traveling ephod, obviously, at this point. And so when they got ready to make, this is strange, but just stay with me. When they got ready to make decisions, one way they made decisions is they put the ephod on, the ephod on, and then they had two stones called the Urim, U-R-I-M, and the Thummim, T-H-U-M-M-I-M, Thummim. Say that five times real fast. And they would put these stones in the ephod near their heart, and I think this is significant, and then they would pray, and through these stones, God would speak. Is that not bizarre? Is it not strange? Just to me. Okay, well, great. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Now, you, since you don't have an ephod, and I doubt any of you brought your Urim and Thummim to church. Got your Urim with you? Uh, no, I forgot it. Guess what you have if you're a Christian? You have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? In John 14, 26, listen to what he says. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and you and will remind, remind you of everything I've said. Then John 16, 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and tell you what is yet to come. So here's something great. In David's day, the Holy Spirit hadn't come to live in everybody. Now as a Christian, when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, God lives in you. You don't need a vest and a couple of stones when you have God in you. Amen? And so if you're not a Christian today, the cool thing is we will not give you an ephod, but if you will join the church today and get saved, you will leave here with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? And if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you don't need the ephod anymore. Okay? So pray and, and let God lead you. Now, here's a real important last part of this. If your heart is right, God will lead you. If your heart's right. God is not 
1-800-PSYCHIC to just give you information as you just ask for it. You can't be a mean jerk. You, you can't live as you want to and expect the Holy Spirit to lead you. I'm not going to read them again, but in verse 2 through 4, one thing is clear is David wasn't perfect, but his heart was right with God. Later on in the chapter, David is not perfect, but his heart's right with God. Now, I'm not going to read these either, but in verse 7 through 8, if you remember, I just read these. Saul, the king who had problems, when he heard David was in Kalai, he didn't pray. It's really interesting. He didn't pray. But he said, aha, God has given him to me. We're going to go down there, and we are going to take him. God absolutely had not told him that. So that's what you and I do. We don't pray about it. We get a thought in our head, and we decide we want to do something. And we, a lot of times, we put God's stamp on it. This has got to be God's will. The door open. This is what we're supposed to do. And God's not in it at all. God wasn't telling Saul to do that. In 1 Samuel 28, Saul got the ephod, and he sought God. And you know what it says? That God didn't speak to him because his heart was not right with God. So you, you cannot dismiss this. You and I need to be in a not perfect, because we can't be perfect, but in a good relationship with Christ to hear his voice. Okay, now I, I want to share with you a couple of practical tips. How do we best do this? How do we best discern God's will? Okay, we've got, we're facing a decision, who to date, who to marry, take this job, not take this job, retire, not retire, invest thousands of dollars in this thing, move my family across the country. Uh, how do we make the right decision? How do we best seek God, hear His voice, and do it? Number one, write, write out your decision. Write out the decision you're facing. Now, I've got, a, I've got a fictitious example, but I want to show you how I make decisions like this. I put, take a job in Nashville. None of you panic or don't get excited. This is fictitious, okay? But I'm just saying, let's say that, that, that you are offered a job in Nashville. You can fill in that blank to date Mary, to date Bill, to whatever it is. I'll, I'll get a piece of paper. I'll write yes, no, and undecided at the top. I write down what the, uh, the the situation is. I'll put the date. I'll show you in a moment that I begin to pray about it. How I begin to seek the Lord on that decision. But but write out your decision. One of the, the the great things you can do is journal your decisions and keep this the rest of your life. It'll help you look back over your life and see how God has spoken to you. Okay, number two, get your heart in neutral. Get your heart in neutral. You notice in verse two, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go attack the Philistines? David didn't say, hey, God, man, they need us down there. We're going to go. Bless this. We're gone. That's what we do, isn't it? How many times when a little kid comes to their parents to go ask to do something, are they really wanting a decision or permission? <laughs> How many of us are the same way with God? So you know what you're going to do. So you're just going to God to ask him to bless it. Then you go tell people you really prayed about it. God led me. To get your heart neutral... If you've ever had a stick shift car, or you've got a lawnmower or a four-wheeler, you know, if you're on flat ground and it's in neutral, you can push it either way, correct? 
Folks, if you're serious about God leading you, you've got to get your heart in neutral. Because if you go to God with a pre-planned agenda, it is your will I date this person, it is your will I marry this person, it is your will I take this job, it is your will I do this or you, I do that, and you already know what God's telling you to do, you're going to make a decision oftentimes it's not a God-led decision. Get your heart in neutral. Very, very, very important. Number three, God often leads to the peace and uneasiness in our hearts. Did God speak to David's ear? Probably not his audible ear, but he spoke, I believe he spoke to him. And sometimes God's going to give you impressions on things that you should do. And he does that with me. And what I do is I'll write those impressions and I'll begin to pray, listening for that uneasiness or peace in my heart. Colossians 3.15, mentioned this two weeks ago. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule there literally means to umpire. It's like a baseball umpire who's calling ball strike safer out. And we know an umpire can be fallible, but God is infallible. If God says out, they're out. If God says it's a strike, it's a strike every time. So he's saying let the peace of God rule in your hearts. One of my dear friends and Cindy's friends in Texas was a guy, a missionary named Harry Garvin. Harry had spent 28 years in Uganda, and when Harry and I would talk about decisions, he would use the term freedom. He would say, sometimes he would say, I prayed about this, and I had a freedom about doing this, or I prayed about it, and I had a, I did not have a freedom about moving forward. I think that's the exact same, same principle. So you've written out your decision, and you're, 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 you're in neutral. You're going to do whatever God says, because he's God and you're not. Say amen to that. Okay. You're not God, I promise, and I'm not either. He's in, you're in neutral, and so you're listening for that peace or that uneasiness. Let me tell you a story from my life. When I was, it's 1989, and I, I, I got out of graduate school, and I was still single. Now, if you don't know anything about preachers, preachers are supposed to be married unless they're priests. If you're a Catholic priest, you don't get married. It's cool the rest of your life. If you're a Baptist preacher, you're supposed to be married at 22, and if your wife can sing or play the piano, you get a bigger church. That's how it goes. And so Cindy was way off down in the future. And so I started going out with this girl, and she's pretty, and she can sing like a bird. I mean, she can sing. So I'm seeing God has got to be in this, you know, because all my friends are getting married, so i got to get married. And I, we, we go out a time or two, and there's nothing wrong with her, nothing wrong with her at all. And, but I'm feeling real uneasiness in my heart. It's like, ah, what's wrong with this? I don't, you know, something's wrong. And, but I don't want it to be wrong. I want, you know, at that point, I, I don't, you know, I want it to be right. And so finally I said, okay, God, here's the deal. If this is not the person for me, we're going to go out one more time. Make me really, really uncomfortable. I challenge you to do this. Make me really uncomfortable, God. Let me know this is not of you. And if it is, God, give me a real peace. I'm not exaggerating. Preachers have the gift of exaggeration, but I'm not exaggerating this. I got back to my, my house that afternoon, and I remember leaning against the kitchen wall and saying, God, I got it. Stop. Stop. I mean, I, my heart was just in a knot. Do you know what? That was God saying no. Listen to that peace or that uneasiness. I want to tell you, if you violate that, I believe, and you're really seeking God and the voice of God there, you will be dearly sorry for that in the future. Peace or uneasiness. Number four, pray, listen, 
and record. You're praying about the decision, but you got to stop talking. <laughs> you got to listen for God to speak. Part of prayer is listening. And we talked about recording, but I want to give you uh, I want to give you more uh, insight onto this too. Let's look at that um, that other little flip chart up here, Brian. Okay, this job in Nashville, the fictitious job or girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is for you. Every day I'm going to set aside, let's just say five minutes a day, and I'm going to ask God. I'm going to try to be quiet. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to to give at least five minutes to let the Holy Spirit speak. And I'm writing down minute by minute. That may sound tedious or strange, but my impressions. And so you can see right now, and I'll explain this in a second, they're kind of all over the board. There's yeses, there's noes, they're undecided. But I'm, I'm, I'm building some patterns there that I'm going to show you in just a second to try to discern what God is saying to me. So this is, this is very helpful as you move forward in the decision-making process. And here's the last part of this. The Holy Spirit's voice will be consistent over time. Holy Spirit's going to be consistent over time. I won't read them again, but, but David asked in verse 2, shall I do this? And God said, yes. And David then kind of had some doubts, and he asked again, should I do this? And God said, yes, you should. Now, the devil is the author of confusion. Please write that down or put it in a middle note. The devil wants to confuse your decisions. And so you're praying about things, and you've got, you've got your mama in one ear. You've got that boyfriend that you're praying whether you should break up with in the other ear. You've got your friends telling you that you need to do this. And, and so you're, con you're confused, and the devil is really trying to mix it up. The Holy Spirit will be consistent over time. You'll be able to discern his voice. Let me show you again the pattern, what ends up happening. The way I laid this out is how I would actually do it. About a three-week span, even taking off on the weekends just to kind of give yourself a mental and spiritual break from it. But here's what I find out in my decision-making process, that over time, there starts to be a consistent pattern. As my heart's really in neutral, and, and over time, and see, I can at the end of this, when it's decision-making time, I can say, I've really tried to listen to God, and I've got 53 yeses, 8 no's, and 9 undecideds. And, and I really believe at that point I can say, this is what I believe God is leading me to do. I've tried to keep those things through the years, and it's neat to go back and say, this was the right decision. Not because I made the right decision, because I listened to God. Now listen, I believe this is so important because I think all your joy, happiness, and effectiveness is going to depend on you being in God's will the rest of your life. I hope it matters to you, but everything's at stake on this, okay? God will be consistent over time. Now, let me give you, let me give you some things to keep in mind as you're doing this. You may not hear what you want to hear. Verse 9 through 12. David learned that Saul was plotting against him. David had saved these people at Kalai. Saul heard he's down there. Said to Abathar, bring the fire. David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Kalai and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Kalai surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he's coming down. 
Verse 12, so, uh, verse uh, 11, 12, I'm sorry, and, and David asked again, Will the citizens of Clive surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, They will. Listen, this is what David wanted to hear. David had just saved these people. Saul hadn't. I'm sure they were tired, they were exhausted. This is not what he wanted to hear. But I want to tell you, when you seek God, you're going to hear things that you don't want to hear. You need to understand that. Now, you can go ahead and do what you want to anyway, but you're going to be out of God's will. You may not hear what you want to hear. Number two, it may not make sense. How in the world did this make sense? How did this make sense? I mean, I can see if it would have been me or some of you, we would have stayed in Calab because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, we saved these people. They're not going to betray us, stick us in the back, do us wrong. But it was absolutely what was going to happen. Now, think with me for a second. When God tells you to do something, shouldn't it be normal that at times it's not going to make sense? Because, like, he's God and we're not. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, here's what some of our problems are. We lean on our intellect, our PhDs. We lean on our rational thinking abilities. We make our pros and cons list. But, folks, if God's going to lead you, there are going to be times it's not going to make sense. Here's one of the greatest things someone told me years ago. God sees what's going to happen 10 years down the road better than you remember what happened yesterday. How many of you really believe that? God sees what's going to happen. He knows how that guy, that girl, that person, that job, that community, that situation is going to be 10 years down the road better than you can remember what happened yesterday. Of course, sometimes God's not going to make sense. And God's going to be impressing on your heart something that you don't want to hear and that doesn't make sense. But number three, God's will is always right and best. God's will is always right and best. When David made the decision that apparently was a frightful decision to go to Kali and save those people, they went down there and saved those people. It was right. When David was in Kali, he was a hero. He was a victor. And it would have made no sense at all those people were going to betray him. And they absolutely were going to betray him. And God said, David, get your 600 men and get out of Dodge. And David did it. And it was absolutely the right thing to do. Let me tell you another preacher story. It's about a friend of mine. Years ago, he was single too. We were both in the single club. And he started dating a girl. And she was a Christian and she was attractive. And she didn't play the piano or sing, but, you know, she, she'd be okay. And he said, from the get-go, I knew in my heart this was not right. I mean, on paper, everything was great. She was Christian. She was good-looking. She was da da yada yada you know. But he said, I knew from the beginning it wasn't right in my heart. But he said, I kept going. He said, eight or nine months later, we break up. It's a disaster. You know, even though it wasn't God's will, by that time their hearts had got intertwined. And he said, he told me, he said, you know what? God knew all along this wasn't the right thing. 
I want you to write down three thoughts, if you would. Henry Blackaby, a great author and preacher, said this. He said three things about God. He said, God, number one, is God is all-knowing. God knows everything. Some of us think we're all-knowing. We're just, uh, we're, we're just obnoxious, but God really is all-knowing. Number two, God is all-powerful. In other words, any way God leads you, God knows what he's doing. Number two, he can lead you to do it. He's got the power to pull it off. And number three, God is all loving. John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love. So see, you got to put those all together. If God was just all knowing and all powerful, that might not be great, but God is all loving. God is never going to lead you to do something that's not for your best and the best of other people. Isn't that great? So why does God lead me to break up with this person? Why is God leaving me to switch this job? Why is God leaving me to turn that job down? You may not understand it right now, but you will understand it later. God, but God's will is always what's right and what is best for you and the whole situation. Isn't that great? So the last thing is we just got to obey it. Real simple, isn't it? It's not simple. It's not simple when you don't want to. It's going to be hard. It doesn't make sense. I'll tell you again, first part of the story, David obeyed God, and it went great. The second part of the story, David obeyed God and saved him and his men's life. So the bottom line today is, will we let the Spirit lead us? Let's pray. Christian, maybe this morning you are, are dealing with something that you just need to say yes to God this morning about. You need to say, God, I'm going to obey you however you lead. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you are. In 2 Peter 3, it says it's God's will that no one perish. Would you pray with me where you're seated? And would you just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died and you arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And save me this morning. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment. And when we do, a few challenges. Maybe you just ask Christ to come in your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come today? Would you come today and make that decision? Let one of our ministers help you. Maybe you're here today and, and you're looking for a church to join. And maybe God's leading you to join this church. We would love for you to. One way you can do that when we stand is you can come. You can join us this morning. Some of you know what God's leading you to do. It's on your heart. His hand's on you. And you need to say yes where you're standing at the altar. Every Christian here needs to make a fresh commitment to God to spend the time and the energy to seek Him and to obey Him. Let's stand. Let's obey God.